Welcome to the teaching ministry of C4 Church. Well, good morning, C4 Church. Warm welcome to each one of you. It's just great to be here this morning. Uh, I'm excited uh, about just even the whole morning. There's just so much anticipation going on around us as Pastor John prayed. You know, back in the rooms back here, if you haven't visited, if you haven't gone over to where Fusion is happening and where C4 Kids is happening, it's just amazing. People are just so excited. And um, I'm excited to be here too. Uh, I'm excited to, uh, to have the privilege of this morning rounding out uh, the sixth message in this series that we've been doing on Believe and, and just uh, looking forward to what the Word of God will have for us as a community this morning. And a huge welcome to those who will be watching midweek, uh, who are going to be catching us online. Um, just really great to have you a little bit later on in the week. Well, this week, scientists all across the world were shocked at the verdict. I don't know if, if you picked this up in the news, but seven Italian scientists, uh, one of them I think was a government official and others were scientists, who were uh, convicted of manslaughter because they didn't uh, issue a public warning for a 6.9 earthquake that happened a few years ago. This earthquake killed 309 people and injured over 1,500 others. And these scientists were put on trial because the prosecution said that there were sufficient warning signs. There were pre-tremors to the earthquake. And that these scientists, that they were obliged to warn the people that something bigger was coming. And they didn't do it. Now, the defense argued that even though there were tremors, that the scientists simply didn't believe that something bigger was about to happen and yet they were convicted they were convicted of manslaughter this fall at c4 pastor john has been taking us through a series called believe for the first couple of weeks john taught us from the scriptures who god is the god that we believe in the god that we know the god who has revealed himself as father son and holy spirit he's also been challenging us to live under the lordship of jesus as part of the kingdom of god and in the last two weeks, John has reminded us that we believe in a God who wants to reach our region and our world with the good news of his kingdom. And this God, this God whose heart longs for people, for the people of this region and for the people of this planet, has invited us, me and you, he's invited us to partner with him in being part of the solution and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God to all people. Today, I get the privilege of wrapping up this series. See, unlike the Italian scientists that hit the news this week, we believe something's coming. We believe that God has plans, not just for the world, and not just for this region, but for this church, and we believe that God has plans for me, and God has plans for you. We believe that God has called us and given us a very specific assignment as a church uh, that's revealed in our vision, the vision of this church to reach 10,000 people. Well, actually, it's only about 8,400 now. So be encouraged. <laughs> we believe that God in his sovereignty has given this church some promises. Promises of personal renewal, corporate revival, and community awakening. And it's because we believe that something is coming that I want to encourage you this morning. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to call to you this morning. And I want to plead with you this morning to do everything in your power 
to get ready for what we believe God is going to do in and through this church. This morning I want us to look at Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8 in the scripture. And so if you have a Bible, whether it's a virtual Bible or whether it's a hard copy, all of the verses are going to be on the screen too. So if you want to just kind of sit and watch the screens, totally up to you. But we're going to take a look this morning at the story of Noah and the flood. Now, you know, for people who have done church for a long time, you know, please don't, don't just check out. Don't, don't be going, oh, here we go, Noah and the flood. You know, it's a, it's a boat with fuzzy animals sticking their heads out the window. It, that's not what it's about. And you know what? I asked Jen, you know, this week, I said, did we ever put like the Noah theme on any of our child's bedroom walls? And she said, no. And I said, good, that was great foresight. Like, it's about worldwide destruction. It's not about fuzzy, cute animals, right? Like, so, like, think about what you put on your kids' walls, okay? Anyways, that's an aside. So I don't have time to go into all of the details about the story of Noah and the flood. And, and I mean this sincerely. If you'd like to talk about Noah and the flood in great detail, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about it. But I'm, I'm going to try and cover about three chapters of Genesis this morning. And what I want to do is I want to help us to understand the urgency behind getting ready because something's coming. That's my goal this morning. So let me share with you some points from the story of Noah and the life of Noah and this episode around the flood that I think still speak to us very clearly today and that will help us to get ready. Here's the first thing that I see in the scripture. Because we believe something's coming, we must dare to be different from our culture. In Noah's day, the human race had really hit rock bottom. You know, the human race was morally bankrupt in the days of Noah. There was really nothing good about it. Now, remember that civilization, mankind, is really actually quite young at this particular time. It really only about 1,600 years, if we take a look at the ages of the people in Genesis, in the early accounts. And by the time we hit Genesis chapter 6, we're about 1,600 years into humanity, and the fall of mankind has happened. Sin has entered into our world. And, and we get to Genesis chapter 6, and he, here's what the scripture says in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become... And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Just hit the pause for a second. Do you hear the emphasis? Every inclination of his thought is only evil all the time. I mean, we've come a long way from everything being really good in the garden to now. Continuing on. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. The world is in an absolute mess. But in all of this darkness, God looks down and he sees one bright spot, the only bright spot in all of planet Earth at that particular time. Amongst everything that God looks down on, and he is grieved that he has even made the planet and all of the wonderful creation contained in our planet, God only sees one bright spot. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. But Noah, you know the Bible is, is full of some great but statements. 
but Noah. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. An entire culture, all of creation, is heading to hell in a handbasket, and two words save the whole world. But Noah. Look at what the Bible says about Noah as he lived in a culture that was bent on only evil all the time. Every inclination of everyone's heart is only evil all of the time. But then there's this one person called Noah who stands out in the middle of that culture. One person who is living a counter-cultural lifestyle. Noah. He was righteous. He had a relationship that was a right relationship between him, him and God. Noah was taking time to spend time with God. Noah cared what God thought and what God said. He was righteous, but he was also blameless. Noah, Noah was blameless in his interactions with the culture around him, in the interactions with his family. Uh, Noah was a guy that no one could, could bring an accusation against. It reminds me of what the psalmist says as the psalmist talks about approaching worship. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may come to his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Not talking about being all washed up and purified physically. He's talking about as I come, there's, there's no stain, there's no blood guilt on my hands as I come. And Noah was such a man. But he also walked with God. Noah cultivated a relationship with God. Noah spent time with God. Noah was concerned about his relationship with God. Like, here's the thing about Noah that I see in this passage. Noah isn't worried about what other people think. He isn't worried about the approval of other people. He isn't worried about being popular. And he isn't trying to keep up with all of the latest trends. Noah is more concerned what God thinks than what, than what the entire culture around him thinks. And I think the question is, are you willing to live differently? Am I willing to live differently because we believe? The point of this whole series, not that we believe that there is a God, but we believe in him and we have met him and we know him and he has changed our lives. Do we believe in God to that degree of detail? Does it, does it consume our lives that much that we are willing to live countercultural lifestyles in Durham because we know the living and the true God? I was talking with some friends who were missionaries this last week. And we, in our conversation, you know, we, we started talking about how, how would you know if revival had come to C4 Church? How would you know if revival had come to the Durham area? What would be some of the telltale signs? What, what are some things in history? But what are some of the other things that you would see? And in our conversation, as we talked about a lot of different things, I said this. We'll know that revival has come when people start downsizing their homes selling their cottages, and getting rid of their luxury items so that they can get rid of debt in order to invest more in the kingdom of God. See, that's counter-cultural. See, here's one of the scariest things for me, just Dave Adams as a guy. But now when you add on to that the burden, Dave Adams is one of the pastors of this church and someone who cares about this church and about this region and about our influence here in Durham region and around the world. I am so concerned that we are no different than the people who never, never come to church and would have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. 
I don't think there's a discernible difference. Certainly not in our lifestyles. We, we, we have just, we just fit into the culture. We just, we just jump into this big flow that's going and we hop into it and we just go with the flow. Everyone else is going. And Jesus says, no, I want you to be countercultural. I want you to swim against the current. I want you to stand out for me and my name and the causes of my kingdom. I want you to live by kingdom values, not Canadian values. See, that's what God is calling us to. And we would know if revival was here when, when the press and when the community and when the culture around about us would say, have you heard about those crazy people at C4? Now, they already know some of you are crazy, but for different reasons. Okay. But can you imagine what people would say if they say, did you hear what they're doing down there? Can you hear about the needs of the poor that were being met? Can you hear about how people are helping in Canada and around the world? I've heard, I, this is crazy, but I've heard some of those people have like sold items and given stuff away. See, I think our culture is dying to see that kind of change, that kind of difference in Christians and so there's a great challenge because Noah lived this counter-cultural lifestyle. He dared to be different than the culture around about him. The second thing that I see from the story of Noah is this. Because we believe something's coming, we must listen to the voice of God, not the voices of doubt. The ark was a pretty big boat. Like, it was the size of like a battleship, not an aircraft carrier, not that big, not quite as big as the Titanic, but a bit smaller. This is a large boat that this guy has to build. And if you look, you know, in the scripture, the dimensions are given, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But how would you like to be one of Noah's neighbors? Like, I mean, seriously, like, so what's going on with the guy next door? Like, the guy's a nut. Did you see what he's building in the front yard? The guy is building a boat. Like, I'm not talking about a little sailboat, you know, a little 14-footer that him and, and Mrs. Noah are going to get in and ride the waves down on Lake Ontario. But the guy's building a honking ocean liner in the front yard. What is with this guy? Can, can, can you imagine what people are, you know, when they get together to talk and all the neighbors about the impact on the property values in the neighborhood? You know? Should we love it or should we list it? <laughs> and can you imagine the pressure? Can you imagine the pressure that Noah faced from all of the people around about him? Like, seriously, Noah. So you're building a big boat. Why? Because, because Noah, as far as we know, didn't live like on water. <laughs> like, there wasn't any lake around. And, and if it was a small boat, like maybe he could tow it, you know, to the lake or something like that. But how do you get a boat this big to any kind of water? Like, Noah, you are a crazy person, okay? But here's what happened. Look at verses 13 and 14 of Genesis 6. And don't skip over this too quickly because we have a tendency to skip too quickly. So God said to Noah, <laughs> pause button. You know why Noah's doing all this? Because God told him. See, God spoke to him. See, Noah is convinced in his heart that the Almighty has spoken. 
and he may be facing a ton of pressure from his neighborhood, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe his own family are kind of looking at him a little bit sideways. I, we're not sure. Scripture doesn't tell us. But it doesn't matter to Noah because Noah is convinced in his heart of hearts that God, the Almighty, has spoken, and that's why he's doing what he's doing. No other reason. God has spoken. Continue on in verses 13 and 14. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. See, Noah's belief was in direct contrast to the rest of the world. Noah was the only one that was listening to or even for the voice of God in his culture. Everyone else was shutting God out. Everyone else just didn't care that if God was even speaking, let alone what God was saying as he was speaking. See, no one else believed. No one else believed. So all around him are these voices of doubt. People are calling him crazy, but Noah keeps on building the ark. But that's not all that Noah does because he believes that something's coming. And you have to go all the way into the New Testament, into 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 to find out what Noah did. See, Noah wasn't just building an ark, he was doing something different. Look what 2 Peter says. If he did not spare, talking about God, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, so Peter is just reinforcing the fact that the flood really did happen, but protected Noah, no news here, a preacher of righteousness. A preacher of righteousness and seven others. So we know that there's Noah and Mrs. Noah and his three sons and their wives. So there's eight people in total that are going into the ark. But you see, what I love about this little nugget in, in 2 Peter chapter 2 is this. As Noah was working out his salvation, he preached to those who were perishing. See, Noah, Noah didn't just go, hey, I got a word from God, so I just got to go build an ark. <laughs> Noah says, I got to build an ark, but I got to tell people that something's coming. Because the results of what are coming is coming are disastrous. They're disastrous. And so Noah builds and he preaches. And if you remember, last couple of weeks, Pastor John has been trying to help us understand this and to connect the dots, that it's not enough for us to just live our lives as a witness and a testimony, but we must also use our words as well. We must also call people. We must also talk to people. We must also tell people about what's going on and about the love of Christ and the kingdom of God. And especially as we believe that something is coming so I, I'm sure that some of you are thinking right now, I can, I can imagine. So Noah heard from God. Well, I, Pastor John, I know he hears from God. Others hear from God. But honestly, Dave, I, I don't know if I hear from God. <laughs> That's a good question. It's an honest question. I think the key is in verse 9 that we already looked at, where it said that Noah walked with God. I think walking with God... Is a, is a prerequisite to really hearing from God. And, and by walking with God, I don't mean that, that Noah went out for a nightly stroll after supper with God, that, that they had this walk around the neighborhood. I think that walking with God implies some things. And let me just, you know, just 
little quick aside here to help some of you that might struggle in this area because I think it's worth the struggle and it's worth the time to park on this for just a second. Let, let me just give you three helpful words that I, that I hope will help you if you're struggling with wanting to hear from God. So let me just offer some practical help. The first word that I want to use is allegiance. If we want to hear from God, if you want to hear the voice of God, and I'm not talking about the audible voice of God necessarily. I'm talking about hearing God through the scriptures, because by the way, this is still called the word of God, right? Right. So if you want to hear from God, you know, we, get, we got some words right here. But if you want to hear from God in your prayer times, and if you want to hear from God, you know, in, in community, and if you want to hear from God for direction in your life, I think one of the things that you have to deal with is allegiance. Quite simply, you must be sold out to God. This is the lordship issue that Pastor John has talked about. It's about surrender. It's about surrendering our hearts, our soul, our mind, and our strength to the God that we say that we worship. And isn't it interesting that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this, you cannot serve two masters. <laughs> See, I know that this doesn't play really well in North America, but the reality is we all serve somebody. <laughs> Quote the famous song. See, we're all slaves. It's just slaves to what or slaves to whom. And Jesus said you can't serve two masters. Either you will love one and hate the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And then Jesus says, so let me give you an example. You cannot serve both God and money. But I think that, you could, that we can insert and, not, and not, um, you know, not twist the scriptures at all here. You cannot serve God and money or sex or power or whatever or luxury or, or laziness. You, you fill in the blank. But here's the reality. Allegiance is vitally important. You cannot serve two masters. I cannot serve two masters. And if I say that I want to hear the voice of God, if I want to listen to the leading of God in my life, I have to answer the question of allegiance. But I also want to offer you the word agreement. Implicit and explicit agreement. Saying yes before God even asks. No, I noticed when I read the whole story of Noah, when you read it through it, Never once does, does Noah argue with God. Never once does he say, well, God, like, why are you going to destroy? Like, is there maybe not another option here? Or, you know what, God, I'm going to preach righteousness, so you don't have to destroy the world if you just make me an awesome preacher. Because if I do such an awesome job, people will respond to my message, and we can actually go with a plan B on this whole thing. See, Noah doesn't argue with God. He is, first of all, in, in full allegiance to God, but he's in agreement with God. Because here's what, what Noah understands that is so difficult for us as educated North Americans to really actually get. God knows way better than we do. He knows way better than we do. We're smart people, many of us. We're educated. We've got skills. We've done well. But God still knows way better than we do. Because he's God and we're not. Well, the third word in this whole area is just alignment. You know, we need to stay in step with. We need to not run ahead or lag behind, but we need to stay in step with God. Somebody said there's a difference between walking with God and merely living. See, see Noah wasn't just merely living. He was walking with God. 
And if you're not hearing from God, if you, if you believe that in the scripture or in your prayer times or as you do community with other people, if you don't think that you're hearing from God, I offer these three words just as some helpful hints from a fellow journeyer who's desirous to hear from God on a more regular basis. You know, some people have been critical of C4. Some people think we're arrogant or that we're ambitious. Some people have a problem with the 10,000 in our vision statement. Some people don't like that we openly talk about renewal and revival and awakening around here. And, and some people are, are a little bit uncomfortable with the supernatural stuff that happens here at C4. I, I want to say this really clearly as one of your pastors. All of your questions are okay if they're handled properly. It's, it's how we do life together. It's how we question. We are open to questions. We are open to probing. Absolutely. It's with whom and how you do it that really matters. But I will tell you that we believe that we have heard from God. And that's why we're doing what we're doing here at C4. It's not to be big, or it's not to be cool, or it's not to gain notoriety, or fame, or fortune, or anything like that. We are simply trying to follow what we believe Jesus has called us to, because we believe we have heard the voice of God. The third thing from the story of Noah that I see here, because we believe something's coming, we must do exactly what God tells us to do. Not only did Noah hear from God, but he heard some pretty specific stuff too. We see in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 15, this is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. And then God goes on to tell Noah some other things. He tells him that there are to be three decks or three levels inside the ark. That he's to coat it on the inside and the outside with pitch. And he's to make only one door. And there's, and there's a number of details. And then God tells him that there's only going to be eight human passengers, but there's going to be all kinds of animals, two of every kind, uh, but of the clean animals, there's going to be seven pairs of those. So God has all of these specific details. Now, do you think Noah had questions? I know I would. So, like, Lord, how long do I have to complete the project? Because it's a pretty big boat. And I think it's the first one I've ever made. Just checking. God, what is rain? See, if you read the scripture account, there had never been rain before this point. Talked about a mist that covered the earth, but there would never been rain. So God says, yeah, it's going to rain. 40 days and 40 nights. I'm all in, God. The allegiance thing, I got it all sorted out. The agreement thing, I'm good. I'm fully aligned with you. I just have one small question. What is rain? So there's this whole problem about rain. God, how do I get the boat to the water? <laughs> like, I got questions. And Lord, how do I get all those animals into the boat? Like, you know, I'm envisioning, you know, horseback riding, lassoes. All, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. I would have questions for God. Now, it's amazing that Noah didn't argue. He did not complain with his assignment. He, he just kind of goes, okay, Lord. I believe you. I believe. 
I'm going to do it exactly like you told me to do it. See, Noah's faith is incredible because the request is incredible. Noah's faith is unbelievable because the request that is made of him is unbelievable. The request that is made of Noah is ridiculously beyond human imagination. But you see, that's where faith comes in. See, if God had just given Noah some easy little task here, then Noah wouldn't be on the wall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. His picture wouldn't be up there with all of the other great men and women of faith. Because as we, as we read Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, it says this, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, underline that, circle that in your Bible, Noah didn't know. He didn't have the perspective that we have. He didn't know how the story was going to turn out. He, he didn't see how it was all going to work out. God just came and told him some stuff. And by faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world. And he became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Because Noah believed something was coming, he believed God and he built an ark. Even though it seemed like the work of a crazy person, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Well, I've mentioned several times during this message already, at C4, we believe something is coming. And because we believe that renewal and revival and awakening are coming, we too are doing something about it. You see, you can't, you can't say, I believe that something is coming, or that I believe that God has made some promises, and then just sit down, fold your arms, cross your legs, and just kind of go, I'm just going to sit around and wait till it all shows up. See, Noah stands in stark contrast to that. God spoke, and Noah got to work. And if God has spoken to us as a church, then we need to be about preparing for what we believe is coming. Let me share very briefly and from a very high level some of the things that we're doing and some of the things that we're investigating and we're working on and all of it because we believe something is coming. Because we believe something is coming, as you saw in the video during the, uh, during the offering time, because of space issues, we've moved our whole Next Generation Ministries off-site. Pastor Josh McCabe and his team are... are are working very hard to take this former nightclub and to, they've revamped the whole space and, and they're, they're, they're gearing the whole ministry towards 14 to 24 year olds who desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Why have we done this? Because we believe something is coming and because the times are so desperate. In Faith Today, there was a major article done. This is a Canadian research project that was done. And this research project pointed to that particular demographic, the 14 to 24-year-olds. And basically, all of these Christian leaders, after all of their researches and all of the um, interviews that they've done, have said this, that demographic is in trouble. Church isn't relative, relevant to them, and they're leaving the church in droves. And at C4, that's not good enough for us. We don't want to be part of the problem. We want to be part of the solution because we believe that God is coming. 
He's coming on an individual level and he's coming on a corporate level and he's coming on an area-wide level and we want to be doing everything in our power to get ready for that. And we don't want 14 to 24-year-olds to miss the boat on this. No pun intended. Because we believe that something is coming in the area of care, we've appointed Pastor Gary Powell as our congregational care pastor. And Gary has been working hard since his appointment in July, moving us a, a, away from a model that says, hey, John, you've got to do all the care in the church. And, and what we're going to do is we're on, the only avenue of care that we're going to have is counseling care. Gary has been proposing a much more holistic uh, view and approach to, to, to care here in this church. Yes, we're going to still have great partnerships in counseling. But, but get, Pastor Gary has been building us systems so that as the needs of the congregation grow and as the number of people grow, that we have systems that have capacity built into them so that we can handle the ongoing needs of people. See, because we believe something's coming, we're doing something about it. One of the other things that we're doing, because of the law changes in Durham, which will not allow us to look at any other properties. The laws have changed in Durham. We have to stay here on this physical piece of property because of the law changes in Durham and all over Ontario now. And because of that, because of our parallel ministries that are growing, C4 Kids and C4 Fusion, we, we have this great facility, but it's not going to serve us well into the future. And because we believe that something is coming and more and more people are going to start showing up here, we're doing something about it. So we've engaged an architect to work on a feasibility study to renovate and expand this facility to accommodate the vision that we believe God has given us. And we're still in the middle of that feasibility study with some staff and some key volunteers from the church. In the area of connections, Pastor Joanna LaFer and her team have been building systems to help people get connected and integrated into C4 Church. Did you know that last year alone, we saw more than twice as many people get into connect groups? Did you know that there are more than 640 adults in connect groups in this church? And, and, and some of those groups are, are too full. Some of those groups have too many people in them. And, and Joanna said to me, Dave, tell them I need more leaders. I need more leaders. See, we can't, because we believe something's coming and even more people are coming, we can't not do anything about that. We've got to build systems that have capacity in them. In the last 11 months, 57 new people became members here of this church. And 60, uh, 60 or so people have attended welcome lunches. And that's not counting the one that's happening right after the service this morning, which you're all welcome to if you're new in the last six months. We got food. We got food. And we're running, we're continuing to run things like Alpha. And last year we did a trial uh, of Alpha in the pub. So that we can reach out to people. We just did the ride for refuge with, um, with Pastor Angela Mason leading that charge. And, and we did the ride for refuge so that we could raise money. Oh, and you go, oh, so typical of a church. We didn't keep any of it. We gave it all away to people in the community who we are partnering with that are doing something about immigrants and homeless people and, and, and those who are marginalized in the Durham of community. We said, we just want to help you. See, we're also looking for ways to reach out through online technology. What I'm trying to get across to you is this. Why do I mention all this? Not so that people will think that C4 is a cool church. That is not our goal at all. It's not our goal. We believe with all of our hearts that something is coming. 
And we got to get ready. Well, my final point is this. Because we believe something's coming, we must refuse to give up on the dream that God has given us. Have you noticed that everything takes longer than you think? Is that because of this message? Is that what that's about? No, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when, when things don't happen fast enough, when things don't happen fast enough for us, or when they don't happen uh, according to our timeline, we think that we've made a mistake. Or we think that maybe we got it wrong. Or we think that maybe someone didn't really hear from God. You know, the story of Noah is so helpful to us here. Such an encouragement. Look at the times that Noah had to wait. He believed God, and he believed that he had heard from God. But the truth is, God was silent for a long, long time in Noah's life. I'm so glad that we see this in the life of Noah, because I relate to that. I believe that in my life, there are times when I have heard from God very clearly and very specifically. But there have also been times when God has seemed to be very, very quiet. Let's look at three of them that happened in Noah's uh, life, three times when he had to wait. The first one was in the building of the ark. See, there's some controversy among scholars about this. How long did it take to build the ark? Well, some people say 120 years. They get that from Genesis chapter 6, where God says, you know, and man's time will be 120 years. And, and scholars, some scholars will say, well, that was the announcement that God made that in 120 years, I am bringing the destruction on the earth. So that's all you got. The clock's ticking. But the problem with that is we're not sure if God told Noah at the start to start building the ark or maybe God came to Noah sometime later. So sort of the maximum value that you've got is 120 years. That's the longest it took Noah to build the ark. Some people say 100 years. And they say 100 years because at the end of chapter 5 of Genesis, you, you get this, uh, this line that says, and Noah was 500 years and was the father of three sons and gives the son's name. So we know that he's 500 years. We know also then, a little bit later on in Genesis chapter uh, 6 or 7, that God told Noah to go into the ark, and it says that, God, uh, that Noah was 600 years when he went into the ark. So you have 100 years there. But again, the difficulty with that is we're not sure that at Genesis chapter 5, the last verse, if that's actually when God tells Noah to build the ark. But 100 years, is you could argue around that. The third answer is it's just sometime less than that. <laughs> but, but all of the scholars, you know, agree on one thing. It's probably... The shortest amount of time was probably about 60 to 65 years. That's the shortest anyone is willing to go with. So here's what's interesting about that. God comes to Noah and says, Noah, build an ark. Here's some general plans. Away you go. At the longest, it's 120 years. At the shortest, it's about 60, 65 years. And God's silent. And during that whole time, Noah never hears from God that we know of recorded in Scripture. You know, first couple of years, you're like just licking along, doing your thing. You know, you're building the ark, and then you start wondering, did you hear it right? Like, was it supposed to be this big? Because this is looking mighty large in the backyard. All right? And then, you know, then Mrs. Noah is like, did you really hear right from God on this thing? And then the kids are starting to ask, because the kids, I'm sure, you know, family project, right? The second waiting period is this. The second waiting period we find in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 10. And after seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. 
Here's what's interesting about this. When the ark is finally complete and the time is right, God says to Noah and his family, go into the ark. Now, miraculously, God brought all the animals to Noah, if you read the account. So all the animals come to Noah. They all go in. Mr. and Mrs. Noah go in. They're three kids and the three boys and the three daughter-in-laws. And God shuts the door. But it's seven days before any rain comes. Seven days. So day one, they're all in the ark. They're like, woo, here we go, road trip. They're in the ark. And nothing. Day two. Nothing. Day three, in a big boat with hundreds of animals and the in-laws. I'm just saying. Did your dad hear that right? Right? Day four, nothing. Day five, nothing. Day six, nothing. Day seven, starts to rain. See, waiting periods don't negate the promises of God. They just strengthen our resolve and cause faith to be stirred up inside of us. The third waiting period is this. How long were they on the ark? How many people? 40 days, 40 nights. Come on. We're Canadians. You can put your hands up. 40 days, 40 nights. Right? Because God said it's going to rain 40 days, 40 nights. How many people think longer than that? How many people don't care? <laughs> well, here's the reality. When you look at the scripture and when you do the math, they were on the ark 370 days. 370 days. It did rain 40 days and 40 nights, but then the water covered the earth, and then the water subsided, and then even after it had cleared up, God still didn't give Noah permission to come out of the ark. Finally, God gives permission of Noah to come out of the ark, and... and some of the verses are, are, are going to be up there for that. But, but here's the reality. 370 days of waiting. See, I believe, and so do others, that God is going to do something here at C4. That we're going to be part of what God wants to do in this region. Something unique. Something out of the ordinary. Something many of us have never experienced. Something supernatural, something overwhelming, something incredible. I just don't know when. And neither does anyone else here. But we believe that it's going to happen. And so we need to ask God to give us faith in the waiting period. But that doesn't mean that we just sit around. So we're busy, we're busy getting ready, we're busy making room, we're busy building systems with capacity, and we're preparing new wineskins for the new wine that God wants to pour out among us. But why does God speak and then say, stay silent for so long? I believe here's the answer, Hebrews eleven six. So vitally important for us to see for, to hear this as we finish this series. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to know more about C4, get connected to the life of the church, or give to this ministry, visit our website, www.c4church.com.